Hello there, this is Henry Harrison. Welcome to another edition of the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today's topic, we need someone with us in our pain. Who? Okay, let us begin. We are looking at a simple truth that you and I have an unconditional connection to a source of wisdom and a source of uh, a source of wisdom that allows us to navigate our lives right now unconditionally. No matter what is going on in our lives, no matter the types of feelings we're having, no matter the types of habits that we're that we that we feel stuck in. Uh, no matter our moods or our behaviors, no matter our past, no matter the present or what looks to be our future, unconditionally we have access to an ongoing source of wisdom that allows us to navigate with hope, with a sense of purpose, with a sense of mission, with creativity and wisdom. And that is a very significant blessing. Now, what do we mean when we say we have an unconditional access to this uh, flow of wisdom? And, and what's the alternative? The alternative looks like we are dependent on certain things happening and for, for us to be able to have equilibrium, for us to be able to have a positive view of ourselves, of life, for us to have a safe and healthy life, for us to have a sense of ourselves as being uh functional and whole, it looks to us that all kinds of circumstances and feelings can indicate there's something fundamentally flawed, something fundamentally flawed with me, with my life. There's a brokenness. Um, there's something fundamentally not working and hopeless. Uh, it looks, it can look like that. There can be feelings of shame. There can be feelings of fear, feelings of anxiety. There can be moods that are difficult and feel hopeless. And all of those moods and feelings and circumstances that seem to portray the fact of our difficult lives or our lack of access to this unconditional well-being and, and wisdom, all of those moods and circumstances are in fact Something that the feelings we're having about them are are telling us about this moment's flow. They're not telling us about the truth of our lives. The flow that we experience in the life that we're living, all that flow comes from one source, and that flow includes a whole variety of feelings. It holds includes a whole variety of of all spectrum of of moods and experiences. The psychological experience that we're having from moment to moment to moment is is coming from one and only one and only source and it includes in that wise and safe and healthy world experience it includes frightening feelings it includes uncertainty it includes shame the whole gamut our challenge is to gain insight or to to be open to an understanding of how our experience is working how our experience is not our how our experience is not being created by the events and the circumstances of our life. How our feelings are not describing the world and the life that we're living in like a camera. Rather, we are uh, kind of, th there's there's like a moving camera, so to speak. Or I don't know, maybe that's not the right term. There's a, um, the lens is shifting. The lens within the camera is moving in a sense. That flow, that divine flow that allows for me to have a whole variety of moods and feelings, it's like a it's like a shape, it's like a shifting lens. So that literally one 
one moment that I look at uh, a phenomenon with, let's say, a kid or my wife or a neighbor, one moment it looks to me like a great source of discouragement and, uh, and distress. And on another occasion, it just doesn't. It looks to me like an opportunity, like a challenge, like a difficulty that I'm able to be with. Those are very different phenomena. Those are very, very different experiences. Hopelessness versus this is a challenge and it's hard and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up to the best of my ability. Those are very distinct experiences and feelings. And that and those distinct feelings and experiences are, are are commonplace even when the circumstance that we're associating with it doesn't change. Because we are having an ongoing lift, shifting of a lens. This this divine flow that flows through us is like a shifting lens itself. And the more that we're open to it and 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 curious about how that shifting lens is taking shape inside of us then the more we gain insight and have the ability to be with our feelings. We can be with them despite the fact that they're unpleasant. We can be with them despite the fact that we don't know how to snap our fingers and make them go away. We needn't uh, fight them. We needn't flee from them. We don't have to live in a reactivity of fight and flight. We can be in a life that we acknowledge can be uncomfortable but is safe, that can feel frightening but that is ultimately a healthy life a life that allows us to experience opportunity, extraordinary meaning, including and including in that meaning is challenge. That's what we refer to. And this is all of this openness, all of this idea of being open to how that experience of life is working, how it's coming from a single simple source. It is, as we've spoken on many occasions, it's a mitzvah. It's a great, great spiritual accomplishment to be open and curious about the fact that this moment's experience, as much as it looks like it's being created and shaped by a child, a spouse, a neighbor, is actually only capable of feeling the way it feels because of this moment's divine flow. That willingness to acknowledge that, to be curious about it, is the mitzvah of acknowledging there's one single source. There's the mitzvah of Amuna and the willingness to, to kind of in a healthy, doubting manner, question, can this really be coming from the neighbor? That's a separate mitzvah of not to ascribe power to things other than the single simple source, than, than other than the single creator. So even if it doesn't produce an immediate shift in our feelings, it is an extremely precious uh, curiosity and direction to look in. And and it will bring a shift in our experience. It just will. There's no question about it. Now, today's topic I mentioned was you need someone with you. We need someone with us in our pain. Who? So what does that mean exactly? I was struck in this week's portion that when God appears to Moshe in anticipation of sending him to stand before uh, Pharaoh and tell him to free the Jewish people to go serve God, God, tell, God appears to him in a specific manner. He appears to him in the flame of a of a of a uh, of a pricker bush. Basically, it's got thorns, a thorn bush. In Hebrew, it's called a sneh. And the commentaries point out that it was specifically a sneh, specifically a thorn bush, because God was looking to communicate to Moshe to communicate to the Jewish people, "Imachem anochi b'tzara." I am with you in your pain. I, the divine presence, am manifesting myself in the midst of a uh, 
in the midst of a thorn bush because I want you to know your pain is real to me. I'm experiencing your pain as, as real. I view you. I see you. I see your pain and I share it. Now, it's interesting to consider that's a fundamental communication that God wanted to communicate to the Jewish people. Apparently, it is a fundamental component of this overarching idea of Amuna, of this overarching idea of belief in a creator, that he sees and he's with our experience of life. He sees and is with our feelings, both the good as well as the painful. And further, we see that this word sne appears elsewhere much later in the Torah in the blessing that Moshe gives to Yosef. The blessing that Moshe gives to Yosef, he says to him an interesting thing. He says, this is in chapter 13, 33 of uh, verse 16 in the book of Devarim, Deuteronomy. It says, Uratzon shochnes ne, and the... Um, the uh, the favor of he who rested upon the thorn bush. May this blessing rest upon Yosef's head. Why is it necessary to mention that Yosef is associated with the, 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 the one who rested in the thorn bush? Yosef, uh, Yosef lived well before the appearance of, of God to Moshe in the thorn bush. He was no longer alive by the time that Moshe returned to Pharaoh to demand that the Jewish people be led out to serve God. Uh, so why? What, what's the connection between Yosef's between Yosef and the thorn bush that we see? They're linked. They're linked. When Moshe finally gives blessings to the tribes, he says, "You know, the the one who favors uh, the the one who dress, rested in the thorn bush should show favor to Yosef." Apparently, there's a connection. Yosef. Yosef was an example of someone who experienced an extraordinary reason to feel, uh, to feel pained, to feel aggrieved, to feel victimized. He was determined by his brothers to be basically someone like a murderer, like a criminal, worthy of the death penalty. And they were ready to kill him, except they decided as an act of mercy to sell him into perpetual slavery. That's a that that that's a that's a, I've spoken about this in the past. I'm just always astonished by considering what Yosef was able to accomplish. That he was able to forgive his brothers, not just forgive them, but say, you know, you did nothing to me. Yes, you yes, you have your calculation to attend to with God, because you tried to harm me, and that's not good. But the effect you had on me, no, no, nothing. You did nothing to me. I don't hold an ounce of resentment or upset towards you because I know with certitude that my experience was completely and totally choreographed and hence and signed off on by my creator for a reason, for a purpose. And I welcome it 100%. You have zero, uh, I have zero resentment towards you. I don't hold against you anything, nothing, nothing whatsoever, Yosef said to them. Now, Yosef would be an example of someone who had kind of what's called uh a potential for unprocessed pain. I read a very interesting characterization by Rabbi Shimon Russell, who's a uh, quite an expert on the subject of helping people address the subject of trauma. He defines trauma as a disconnect in one's life. When a person experiences an overwhelming form of pain in which he lacks the ability to 
to process. It could be that a person returning from a traumatic war experience, this, this, the, the intensity of that war experience could be so overpowering that he can't look at it and he has like a disconnect. It could be that a person experienced a form of abuse in his, in his childhood or a form of neglect and the pain that he experienced in those, in those times is a, never, it's not something that he's been able to process. It, it, there's a disconnect, but it's a problematic disconnect because it's a part of his life. For a person to disconnect from a part of his own life, generally, it there's a logic to it, says Rabbi Russell. There's a logic. It's a kind of a divine safety mechanism. When there's pain that's unbearable, and it could just it could kind of shut a guy down, so he has a way of compartmentalizing it and separating from it. Trauma. Trauma is that disconnect. There's an internal disconnect where he he takes a whole part of his life and he he somehow internally dislocates from it i but the problem is that he can't he can't actually dislocate it so what he does is he kind of on a psychic level he disconnects from it but it's still it still remains in his life and it still has the power to pop up in ways that he's not anticipating that he's not in control over and it can really undermine his stability his ability to be in a relationship with his with himself his ability to be in a relationship with others because he's there's these powerful emotional forces that are undealt with and they can overwhelm him at times that he's completely unprepared for and it serves to it serves as a kind of a overall destabilizing presence in his life that's the way rabbi russell describes trauma it's a an internal disconnect that god gave a person as an ability to to form a form of safety but ultimately the goal is to help that person Re revisit and face those painful feelings. So when a person has the ability to to experience those intense feelings, when they occur, then he can learn from them, grow from them, be with them, be shaped by them in constructive ways. And he doesn't have to undergo a disconnect. He doesn't have to experience trauma and then kind of be at odds with himself, be in this kind of unreconcilable internal uh, war. The key to being able, the, apparently one of the key things that God wants us to know, and that apparently was essential to Yosef's being able to face down the extraordinary types of potential feelings of, of, of anger and resentment, was the awareness that there's someone with you in your pain. God is looking to communicate to us, I'm with you in your pain. Yosef was able to overcome the intense potential for resentment and hatred by realizing, no, there's someone with me in my pain. This is essential. It's absolutely essential that a person finds the wherewithal to discover, wait, I'm not alone in my pain. I have, uh, I have the ability to be with my pain because I have someone with me. In a healthy, in a healthy person who's functioning with a clarity about the, the, the truth of the creator, then with the help of the creator, with the help of perhaps his uh, other people, he can go and he can say, you know, I could use help. I can face this sufficiently. I can face this pain sufficiently that I want to look at it, but I could use some help. And I want to realize how God was with me and is with me in this pain. That's an already an extraordinary level of, um, of consciousness, of ability to be with pain. The, the ability to, to know 
there is pain that is normal. There's a normal part of a human's journey is that there's going to be pain that's going to destabilize, that's going to present as dangerous, as overwhelming, as something to disconnect from. The, no, the knowledge that that is part of our journey in this world, that I, I, I can and need to find a way to be with that pain and let it, let it, um, let it affect me in, for the good, let it affect me to come to appreciate there was meaning in that pain, that even where it looked like my, my life was dark, there was actually uh, purpose and, and value. Ultimately, ideally, we are going to come to recognize that it's the creator of the universe who's with us in our pain. But it could be that we don't have access to that. It could be that we're going to need to find, in conjunction with that awareness that there's a creator who's with us in our pain, that we're going to need to find an assistant, someone who can look at our pain with us and help us to be with that pain. And, and ultimately, it can even be ourselves. It can be ourselves. There's a place in our lives where we function with wisdom and maturity and a sense of presence. And it could very well be that there's other places in our lives that we, ha we, we have not yet reconciled to. A person could be a high-functioning professional with a family and children, and he's capable or she's capable of navigating meaningful choices and relationships. And simultaneously, there's still places in his or her life where there was unprocessed pain. There was pain that was overwhelming where there was a disconnect. I, I can't look at that pain. I can't be with that pain. And then, of course, in, it, in as much as it's impossible to disconnect from a part of one's own life, it, it, it then kind of surges back and, and, and pops up in this destabilizing manner. That, that means to say that, there's, that a person can for him or herself provide that sense of presence. A person can have kind of an internal conversation where you, you on the one hand, sense and appreciate and can locate yourself. I'm, I'm an adult. Look at all the places in my life where I operate with wisdom, where I operate with understanding, where I operate with kind of maturity. That's real. Oh, there are places in my life where I feel this kind of surge of feelings that I don't know what to do with. Okay, I can have almost like an internal dialogue. I can, I can, I, the part of me that occupies a place of wisdom and stability can, can quietly and gently turn to the, 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 the aspect of myself that's overwhelmed or feeling out of control and say, what's, what is that? Tell me, what are you feeling? I, I'd like to know. I can, I'm prepared to be with you in a non-judging and loving manner. That's, to me, the ultimate goal is to get back to a space of knowing. I'm, God is telling us, I'm with you in your pain. It's, it's impossible to go through this life without experiencing uh, potentially overwhelming pain. And it's impossible to successfully navigate that pain without knowing that someone is with us, ultimately God. But it's also possible that a person might not have the, might have present access to that consciousness, might need the. Uh, it, it's always the case that we need we need assistance. We need help. We need people. We need a loving friend. We need a loving mentor. We need, and then ultimately we can provide that for ourselves. The place in our lives where we occupy kind of two two identities: a wise and stable component in in, in places. And a place where we're unprocessed and out of control. That internal experience, we can we can be the bridge. We can say, I'm 
I'm with you. I'm with you. I want to hear what was that pain. Tell me. And it's also fascinating that Yosef, Yosef, there's another component to Yosef's story that to me illuminates this idea of being with someone in, in pain, in, in their pain. Yosef's last last area of study that he had with his father before he went out on his errand to check on his brothers that led to his being almost killed and sold into Egypt. The last thing he learned with his father was the was the the subject of the unresolved murder. The Torah describes describes the the the, the law. What happens if a, if a person is found killed, murdered, out in the outside on the outskirts of a town? What is the procedure that the that that the Jewish people must do to acknowledge and appropriately deal with that murder? And Ultimately, what it comes down to is that the, the the judges of the nearest town have to come out and say, we acknowledge that that there was an aspect of negligence in our actions that we didn't escort this person on his way. We didn't escort this person on his way. The sages tell us that escorting a guest on his way is an, it's a mitzvah. It's an essential requirement because when a person is going on a journey, it's normal on that journey that he encounter difficulties knowing that someone is kind of escorting him, walking with him, even if it's not the entire journey, but he starts the process of walking with him, it endows him with a sense of, I'm, I'm not alone. I can deal with my journey because I know I'm not alone. Yosef was the last thing he learned before he left, before he left and eventually ended up in that horrific challenge was, you know, the Torah reminds us that you're not alone. I'm, I, Yaakov, I, your father, I'm, I'm escorting you. And you should know you're not alone in your pain. Yosef is the one who mastered this quality of being able to deal with intense potential resentment, hatred, bitterness. He mastered this. He, 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 he acquired in a great way this awareness that, um, that, that we're not alone in our pain. That is an essential part of being uh, alive, part of being a Jew, is to believe that there's a creator who's with us in our pain. And if we don't have access directly to that awareness, that we can, uh, we can and must find a way for someone to be with us in our pain.